Hard to Believe is proud to be a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more of this and other great shows, head to cageclub.me. If you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email at john at cageclub.me, or you can find me on Twitter at probablyrealjb. That's P-R-O-B-A-B-L-Y-R-E-A-L-J-B. The show is written, produced, and edited by me. Superhero comics have always been deeply intertwined with religious ideas and iconography. You might remember that last season, Matthew Kressler and I spoke about the role Catholicism plays in the life of Matt Murdock, otherwise known as Daredevil, and how his Catholicism shapes his story arcs and their meaning. Check out Season 2, Episode 31, Matt Murdock Goes to Confession, from November of 2021. In fact, the comic book superhero is really an American invention, specifically the invention of immigrants, and even more specifically, Jewish immigrants. Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, the creators of Superman, were both the children of Jewish immigrants to America and Canada, respectively, as were Batman creator Bob Crane and Bill Finger, as were Marvel's Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And the superhero template borrows heavily from biblical heroes like Samson and Moses, of whom Superman is largely a composite. Consider how, like Moses, Superman is also sent away by his parents to grow up as a stranger in a strange land only to be forced to grapple with his identity and defend his people in adulthood. Even his name, Kal-El, is a fabricated Hebrew name. The story of the gifted outsider trying to forge an identity in a world that sometimes seems to prefer they didn't exist while holding two identities at once is very much the story of the immigrant, and especially in America, the Jewish and to an extent Catholic in the case of other Marvel titans like Steve Ditko, immigrant. But where do Muslims fit into that story? Criticism of representation of Islam in Western popular culture has become far more focused, especially in the last two decades since 9-11, and mass media continues to reduce Muslims to a good Muslim, bad Muslim binary, lacking any real depth or nuance. But a decade ago, writers Sama Amanat, a Pakistani-American Muslim, and G. Willow Wilson, who converted to Islam in 2003, created Kamala Khan, a 16-year-old Pakistani-American from New Jersey, who idolizes Carol Danvers, otherwise known as Miss Marvel. At the time, Danvers would go on to claim a new alter ego, Captain Marvel, and the new series would tell the story of how Khan would go on to take up the mantle of Miss Marvel. Khan's comic series has drawn plenty of accolades and criticisms for its portrayal of an American Muslim youth. And with Kamala now joining the MCU with the Disney Plus television series adaptation of her story having just wrapped, I decided to ask Dr. Safia Hossein, who has written extensively about Kamala Khan, and whose academic work covers the intersection of Islam, comics, and gender, among other things, to join me to talk about it. I'm John Brooks, and this is Hard to Believe.
Do you want to introduce yourself? Okay, so hi, I'm Dr. Safiya Hussain. I'm a researcher of Muslim superheroes and Muslim audiences. Um, and my work focuses a lot on, on Marvel comics, um, particularly Muslim superheroines in Marvel comics. I'm also to a public scholar. So I published in the conversation. I've been on, um, multiple Canadian outlets like the CBC and Spice Radio. My work has appeared internationally, um, and Canadian newspapers too, um, and I'm, I'm also to a comics writer, so I've tried my hand at least at um, the more concrete parts of the craft. I don't draw, though. You know? yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your relationship with comic books and superheroes. Has this been a, like a lifelong fascination for you? Is it always have you been a were you always a comics kid or was that like something that came with kind of the academic work? Um, so I actually, I did like comics when I was younger. Well, particularly Archie comics. Um, <laughs> they, they, they seem to have a really good distribution, um, in the developing world. Um, so I, I was into it for a while and then I kind of fell out of it and I just started in, uh, getting more into prose, um, prose writing, um, and literary fiction and, and uh, sci-fi and fantasy fiction in my adult years. And um, uh, then I decided to go for my PhD. And when I was writing my research statement, I, um, I, I, I'm very much a pop culture advocate. So mm. I, I love pop culture. So I was, I was thinking, I want to look at um, representations in in popular culture that challenge negative stereotypes of Muslims. And so that led me to Muslim superheroes. And so I kind of got back into it in my doctorate, you know, and right before my doctorate, you could say. So and then then I, I remember looking through all of this and wondering, how did I ever give this up? I love comics. So so it was, I, I don't know, I'm pro I was a comics kid for a while and then I wasn't. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that culture sort of shifted back towards the comic book with the, yeah. with the advent of the MCU, which kind of seems to have overlapped with yeah. the time when you were um, yes. pursuing a, a doctorate, right? Yeah, I, I fell into, like, that just was a fluke of nature. I didn't expect it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, all the stars were aligned. Let's just put it to you that way. Um, let's talk about the, since you alluded to it earlier, um, the comic book that you wrote, um, what, what is that all about? And like, what compelled you to create your own? Well, okay. So I didn't write a comic book on my own. I contributed, um, comic short stories, um, to comics anthologies. Right. Um, and then I also too wrote a nonfiction comic on the nib. So, um, I think, again, it was really negative representations of Muslims. Um, uh, my first comic was in the Toronto Comics Young at Heart anthology. That, that was volume four. Um, and it was really about um, this part of the city I used to go to, a community center that was closing down and that I really liked. And so I decided it would be cool to actually... Um, do a comic with a genie that wasn't orientalized and um, mm -hmm. have uh, uh, Muslim characters in there. Um, and so I did that and it was published and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then after that, I did um, 
is something totally not related to um, Muslims because you don't only, I, I don't have to do that all the time. <laughs> I, I identify, you know, as so I have so many um, things that I identify as, you know, South Asian, Indo-Caribbean, a woman, all, all of these things. So um, there was this really cool comics anthology um, uh, Shakespeare, um, Thy Kingdom for a panel, my kingdom for a panel. And, um, it was on, it was on people who love Shakespeare and, um, basically writing stuff, um, related to, to Shakespeare's work. And so I decided, I always felt so sorry for Ophelia. So I decided to write a comic book with, um, comic book short story with Ophelia um, in it and the Macbeth witches and she's nursing her broken heart from Hamlet and she meets another guy and she, you know, she, she likes him for a little bit. And then after that, um, it just, it doesn't work out. And so she ends up, um, <laughs> she was on spring break. And so she ended up actually <laughs> taking off with the Macbeth, which is to join their coven after. So it was just, it was more about her just kind of, um, <laughs> growing past heartbreak and, you know, finding herself in the process, um, and learning more about herself. So, so that was it. Um, and then after that, I, I wrote a, a, um, a comic, uh, actually with uh, an illustrator, Famita Azim, who just won a Pulitzer for illustration, um, in, um, in business, um, the business insider for a comic on Uyghurs, um, and, and concentration camps. But, um, but I actually wrote one with her before on grieving as a Muslim, um, you know, during the Christchurch shootings. And, oh, yeah. um, uh, we, we both actually wrote about, um, we both actually talked about our, our grieving process as well too. I was the writer on it. So we both talked about it and I had written a bit on, on, um, her grieving. And I wrote a lot about my grieving as well too, because, you know, that was a very, um, yeah. scary time for anyone who's Muslim. Um, well, on a, uh, less somber note, less, less somber note. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to something that you mentioned earlier. So I think a lot of people who watched Miss Marvel, we'll talk about the series a mm -hmm. little bit. Um, right. I, I want to kind of I'll pause on that for a second. But mm -hmm. I think one of the things that people who watched Miss Marvel, especially sort of a, you know, Western American audience, right. um, whatever, who, who for, for whom a lot was new, um, in your short comic that you referenced, you talked about um, the presence of a genie. Um, and of course, the the concept of jinn show yeah. up yeah. in, in Miss Marvel. Um, so I'm going to make a confession to you right now. I, I, I was I studied religion in college, I did a mm -hmm. you know, religious studies degree. And Jin is something I learned about through Scrabble. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, because if you don't know, if you don't play Scrabble, um, the various spellings of it are a really great way to like score points on a J. Oh, yeah. Um, so you find out what the word is and then you look into it. And and over the years, I've, I've sort of come to understand the complexity of um, where the jinn kind of falls into um, Muslim folklore right, mm -hmm. throughout, throughout the world. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people know what a genie is because of Aladdin or whatever else. Right, right. Um, but, but, and Miss Marvel, I think, also sort of 
opens up that world and that, right. that, that complexity a little bit more. But can you talk a little bit about sort of like why that tends to be a fixture in um, kind of fan- fantasy, whether it's modern sort of superhero fantasy or um, sort of mythology in, in, um, in, in Muslim uh, literature and, and, and folklore? So, um, I mean, you know, there's fiction uh, and even Western fiction, of which I, I know about, um, that has jinns. Um, G. Willow Wilson, who is the first writer for Miss Marvel, actually, she, she writes jinns a lot in her, in her work um, overall, and they're fictional. And I remember many, many years ago, I had a Twitter convo with her, and she did actually point out that they were they were not jinns from the Quran, right? So Quranic jinns are actually like jinns are actually mentioned in the Quran as well too. Mm-hmm. And so there's a whole big long um, set of perspectives on on jinns as well too from a you know in in religion as well, um, and um, and the belief it, I I I mean I don't. I think you should get like an Islamic city scholar because I can only talk from like what I know. But the belief is that there they have a world that exists um, within our world. Um, that's that's just it. But there's a lot um, a, a lot of cultural aspects. Like each culture, I think each Muslim culture has their own perspectives on jinns, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so there's it's it's like mythological and it's folkloric and um but there's it's also too mentioned in religious scripture but and at mm-hmm. the same time too like people also mention it um um in in their works of fiction like g willow wilson um what i find really interesting personally is that certainly and i i don't i can't speak from um, from uh, like any every an entire Muslim um, outlook, right? Because each culture, like I said, sees things differently. So I don't know how Arabs look at what their perspectives are um, on jinns or African Muslims, for instance. I don't know what their perspectives are on jinns, but I know in South Asian culture, there's like a lot of like fear around that, and you know, it's it's kind of odd. Like I mean, as a writer, I don't know if I could. I, I wrote a genie, so I suppose you could say I did write about a gin, but I didn't think I didn't see it like that because Western, you know, Western fiction, I didn't even know genies were gins until like a very, very long time after. And it made complete sense when um, you recognize that, you know, Arab um, folklore and Arab mythology, they would actually, you know, something like that would actually be a gin, but I didn't really think about it. Um, but I, I would feel kind of weird and icky about writing specifically about gins. And that's mm-hmm. mainly like, you know, like sto- like stories when I was a little girl uh, that people would say, you know, to scare kids. You know, there's always like, you know, um, elders always saying things to like scare kids or even older kids as well, too. So it's it's definitely a taboo subject on some level. And I don't think a lot of Muslims actually really liked it in Ms. Marvel. I know that for a fact based on what I'd seen. What, why is that? Uh, just because of the, like the taboo around gins and, mm-hmm. and what, you know, how many see this, but also it's mainly, it's main like from what I've seen personally from the critics um, on Twitter is that it, orientalizes Miss Marvel. 
Um, you know, because gins, especially in Western culture, has been very, very orientalized in Western popular culture. And so, um, you know, everybody was super excited and very happy, but like to, to see Ms. Marvel and then all of a sudden, um, then it was like, oh, you're a gin. And um, I mean, we saw Ms. Marvel kind of recoil at it. Um, as well to, I would have too, I would have just, I would have too, but, um, but it was more like that. This is a very Orientalist trope. And so to put the first MCU, um, Muslim superhero, um, as a djinn, it just felt quite regressive. And there were actually like cultural critics, like people who were writing, um, about the show and publishing on the show, like Swara Sali, um, I think, I hope I pronounced his name right. Um, who is writing for io9 and I think Miriam Ahmed that also too she she writes for the Nerdist I think she had an issue with gins too and it was really because of how it orientalized Ms. Marvel I, I guess like because my understanding of gins within the like Quranic um, uh, sort of depiction is that they're it's like a little bit of a combination of like an angel and a demon at the same time yeah exactly you, you hit the nail on the head and it would be very weird yeah. <laughs> if like um, uh, you know, a white superhero was powered by an angel or a demon, I guess, in or you know, or was yeah. there actually a, a demon in, um, in 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 the comics? Although, you know, like I talked about Daredevil um, on an episode last year, and about mm -hmm. sort of the Catholicism of Daredevil, and um, mm -hmm. and there's a bit of that, but like, yeah, I mean, right? It's it's sort of yeah, it's the it's the amplification, I think, of of this sort of. Um, you got to get as much Muslim into her as possible. Like I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't really know exactly what that, um, what that drive is. But I, I, I certainly understand the, um, mm -hmm. the nature of the criticism there for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think you you hit it um, right as well too, because you know, I I um, was told there are good ones and there are bad ones, and um, you know, there were things like that. I think like, and what would have been really interesting too, because, you know, my conversation with Jewella Wilson on Twitter, as you know, it wasn't like a long one. It was quite interesting. And one of the things that she had said is like, you know, jinns in the Quran are different, kind of like in Western pop culture, like Gabriel and Michael are different in the Bible versus what you see in popular culture, their representations. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. Muslims also too believe in like Gabriel and Michael. So, right. you know, <laughs> It would have been actually more in, like everybody would have been on board if she was like an angel, for instance, just a straight up one, right? right you right, know, yeah. but um, but a gin, I mean, Gabriel's no. pretty important for the Quran. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... very, um, very, very instrumental for the Quran. Yes, yes. <laughs> if anybody didn't know that, it's yeah. kind of a, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Kamala Khan herself. You you um, a few years ago. Uh, wrote a uh, sort of an academic article, I guess. Yeah. Uh, called uh, the the worlding of the Muslim superheroine. Yeah. Uh, which goes into the the genesis of um, Kamala Khan, and mm -hmm. and also you you criticize, I think, you know, sort yeah. of criticize and also praise, I guess, yeah, like back and forth, yeah, um, yeah. A, a lot of a lot of what she came to represent. Um, yeah. And I'm also I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a little bit about what you think. Um, the TV show did better or worse. But um, let's talk a little bit about what you have to say there. So first of all, like the the creation of the character, Kamala Khan, I think is about 10 or 15 years old. Do I have that right? Is she it... debuted in 2014. 
So not quite 10 years ago. Not quite 10 years ago. Like Ms. Marvel is an old, old um, comic, like with Carol Danvers, et cetera. But the Kamala Khan iteration debuted in 2014. And what do you know of the sort of like creation story of why, you know, they decided to create this character as a um, teenage Muslim in New Jersey? Um, I just know that Sana Ahmed, who's Pakistani American, um, it was an ed- is an editor at Marvel, and um, Marvel. What I how I've understood it is Marvel every so often has to come out with a new Ms. Marvel title in order to keep um, its copyright. From um, that's what I know. Like it, they have to keep their mm-hmm. copyright, and so um, San- Sana Ahmed um, was instrumental in getting the new version of the new iteration of Ms. Marvel to be a Pakistani American Muslim. Um, so it just happened that luckily she was working at Marvel at the time and she was able to advocate um, and successfully get permission to do that. That's, that's what I know. And then she, then she went and she found G. G. Willow Wilson. Um, and, and then they, then Ms. Marvel was born. Then she started writing, um, Ms. Marvel. They obviously talked a lot about what they envisioned for her and the audience as well. So I hadn't really read a ton of, um, criticism towards the, um, personification of, of, or characterization, um, of Kamala Khan until I, I read your piece. Um, I think that's largely because most of the praise, uh, I, I hear comes from sort of like white comic book critics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who are saying, you know, oh, how wonderful it is to yeah. have, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, representation. And it is great to have representation yeah. in comics and um, all of that sort of thing. I don't think that you, from what I can tell, see this as like a black and white issue. But no. you also make some make some pretty pointed arguments about the way that um, Kamala in the comics, especially, mm-hmm. is kind of presenting a like a vision of a Muslim teenager that is palatable to mm-hmm. a yeah. white audience who wants to think well of Muslims post 9-11. Do I basically have that right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like more or less. Yeah, I mean, I like I wrote like a 270 page dissertation on yeah. on on Muslim superheroes <laughs> where she features a lot. But yes, I do actually talk about the complexity of the Muslim superhero. Um, and um, yeah, like that she fits um, into a, you know, pretty much something that that they want to see as well too. But it's, she's also to someone that I wanted to see if I have to make a confession as well, because, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, I'm an unveiled Muslim and, um, you know, I like most of the representations of Muslim women, and this is fine by the way, and this is great. Most of the representations of Muslim women are usually women who are covered and, um, um, you know, that's fine. I, I, I actually, um, I, I of course criticize heavily um, all that Orientalist and Islamophobic bias against hijabis. But you know, the Muslim world is like almost a quarter of the world's population, and Muslim women are many things. And so, it was great to actually see 
um, a character that actually looked like looks like me. Literally, I'm I'm um, of South Asian ancestry, and also to I mean I'm I'm not as tomboyish as Kamala in the comics, um, even in now that I think about it in the TV show. But you know, it's that that you know looked and dressed like me as well to it. And and there were plenty of um, of you know Muslim women that I interviewed for my dissertation study, and they appreciated that. But but they what was interesting was. Um, the women, even the hijabis found Kamala relatable. And so that's just to tell you that the hijab is just something that you you, you put on your head. It, there's no real like political um, reason. Like, like I, I feel like the West politicized it so much, but it's just something, it's just an article of clothing that some people yeah. wear. That's it. They have their reasons yeah. for it, their personal reasons. But if you talk to each and every single one of them, um, they all have different reasons for it. Yeah, and that's I mean when 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 in the show when Nakia, um, mm-hmm. which is I think yeah. a storyline borrowed from the co- comics, right? Where she where she talks about why she dresses the way that she chooses to. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard, at least on that scale of pop entertainment, right? I don't yeah. think I've ever heard yeah. anybody make that argument before, which yeah. was. That was pretty powerful. It was pretty. I think it was very necessary. A lot, a lot of um, covered Muslim women really liked, really appreciated, um, really appreciated it. But you know, as you were saying, it still is something that um, a lot of you know Western audiences would have wanted to see, as well. They would have wanted to see um, Kamala like that. And but like I, I really am happy that they also had Nakia as well too in the. TV series as well. And they had that kind of representation. So if you could articulate, like, what do you think are some of the, um, the problems with the sort of overall conception of the Miss Marvel character in its current form, especially in the comic books? Like mm-hmm. what are, what are some of the issues and what are some of the things that, you know, going forward, if, if there's an effort to <laughs> expand the number of, um Muslim characters in comics of which there aren't a ton um, right, right. I'd love to hear more some some about some more of them but um you know like what do you think are are some of the kind of um I guess teachable moments right um from yeah. from the from the Miss Marvel comic that that we need to do better about um so I think it's more complex like um like my my dissertation I'm a post-colonial feminist scholar so Um, my, my dissertation and, um, my research on not just, um, Ms. Marvel, but, um, Muslim superheroines overall, um, and Muslims, Muslim superheroes actually even, even the male ones is I ground, um, I ground my, my work on them in the imperialist project. Mm -hmm. So, um, I actually found it very, um, I found it very interesting that the time when we see Muslim superheroes and we see quite a few of them, I mean, you know, Muslim superheroes has always been a thing like, um, you know, since the 1940s, if we're being, um, if we're being honest, but, um, um, but, you know, I just started seeing a larger spate of them after 9-11 and I found it really interesting um, that during um, a time where there was a lot of very open tensions between the U.S. and the Muslim world, certainly the Middle East, that we were seeing so many uh, Muslim superheroes. And so naturally, I questioned why. Why is that? And um, one of the things, I, I wouldn't say that, okay, Kamala is awful or Kamala is this or Kamala is 
is that, um, you know, but I would just say overall that seeing particularly Muslim female superheroes, I think assuages white guilt during the war on terror, because there were some, there were some problematic things that took place in that war, as we all know. Um, <laughs> and um, um, particularly, um, yeah. you know, particularly to Muslim men as well. So, you yeah. know, like there were, they, they were, I think, much more uh, stereotyped in some ways than women, but not the women were stereotyped as well, too. Um, and so this, like, I would say that, um, Muslim superheroes, Kamala in particular, um, she gets to bolster American exceptionalism during a time when Islamophobia is on the rise. You know, she gets to make um, Westerners who are very interested, urbanized Westerners who have an interest in multiculturalism, um, make make them feel like, oh, well, you know, our culture is good and it's welcoming. See, you know, it's more welcoming and it's inclusive when in reality it isn't as inclusive as some of them might want to think. So mm-hmm. that's that was my argument um, overall with um, not just Ms. Marvel, but the presence of the Muslim superheroine um, during this time. But it's also to um, a complex representation because, you know, the like, what is the alternative? The alternative is just seeing yourself represented as either an oppressed woman or a or a terrorist, um, which is just not the majority of the Muslim community, right? It's just most, you know, the majority of the Muslim community is peaceful. The majority of Muslims uh, across the world are peaceful. So, and you know, I know many covered Muslim women who are not oppressed. Um, so, you know, it's it it really there there is also too like okay, there was that that good part of it that, you know, and Kamala in particular was very nuanced, a very nuanced representation in the, in her, in her title, um, series, I wouldn't say she was nuanced in, um, other series where she was featured, but, Mm -hmm. um, but she was quite nuanced. And, uh, you know, a lot of my, a lot of the participants for my dissertation study actually really appreciated her and of any, of any cultural background, this is, this is what was interesting. Any ethnic, um, background of Muslim, they were all appreciative because she they found her quite relatable as well too. And you know, in the ending, what I also too saw was that uh, not surprisingly, many of them saw Muslim superheroes as like a shelter from those negative representations that they're bombarded with. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so the, it you know, it's I would say that it's it wouldn't necessarily be uh, at least in her um titular series um i wouldn't say that you know she was like represented in a negative way here or there per se i think that they went you know they went to great pains to actually try to represent her in a nuanced way certainly under g willow wilson um you know but saladin ahmed's um work i mean i I preferred um, G's more, but Saladin's, you know, he also too was trying to represent her, you know, in a, in like in a, in a positive way as well too, obviously. But like, I wouldn't say it was necessarily like, okay, this one incident was bad or that one incident was bad, but it was more like this, this is the effect of it. Um, This is what the effect of the Muslim superhero could be. I mean, now that you have me jogging my memory, um, there wasn't... (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, one of the, my earlier criticisms of Ms. Marvel was that it didn't actually like, 
it didn't it didn't confront structural racism of of Muslims um, like very yeah. openly. It was more based on microaggressions. Um, there was also too some things that were supposed to be um, allegorical or symbolic of like profiling and uh, even white supremacy, but they they were soft on that. They went they were subtle on that, and I think that's just kind of like how how they're their um mode was with her that was just it like like the green lantern um with simon baz um um that that comic was actually not soft it was very in your face this is how muslims are treated and this is yeah. structural discrimination and this is why it's just so bad so it was very strong it was a very strong message which i liked yeah what you just i mean a lot of what you just said i, I had a lot of yes. <laughs> maybe triggered a lot of thoughts about like yeah one of the things that I, I guess when I sort of was thinking in the background as I was watching the TV series was I was I was kind of reflecting on um, the, the point that you had made that you sort of um, you made in the essay as well, which is the the problem with like underrepresentation mm-hmm. is is that it, it sort of forces you into pendulum swings yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that you have the kind of like I think you made a really interesting point uh, in in 24 where you had like the Muslim terrorist, but then there's like the one good Muslim. But what's yeah. good about the Muslim is that they defend America. Yeah. Um, and that's like how they're coded as good. Yeah. But then I, as I was watching, especially watching the series, I was like, yeah, it's not really, there's nothing bad about being a Muslim. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, that's refreshing in some way. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, like it did feel, there was that nagging feeling of like, well, this is what happens when you have to swing the pendulum the other way because it's so underrepresented in our culture. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I it, it that became more apparent to me when I was kind of thinking about, yeah, um, your yeah. Writing. Well, you know, straight up, like Kamala, like there's this good Muslim, bad Muslim binary, and yeah. um, you know, like a lot of <laughs> academics and scholars talk about this, and it's it's interesting because good Muslim, bad Muslim binary, like good Muslim. We don't even know what they're doing. We don't, you know, as long as they're just showing um, support of um, of U.S. foreign policy. That's that's really what it's it's all down to, you know. I um, but you know, and I I kind of wish we could move past that good Muslim binary, but you have to move past that even in audience minds. All right, so you know, like like um, the Miss Marvel series was very very careful, um, and they. They just, you know, she just kept being represented as, you know, an average teenager, yes. But also, too, they, I think they just know that if you go into, like, bad Muslim binary, um, into that into that space as well, too, just the kind of stereotypes that this this would lead to. And I wish we could move past that. But, yeah. Um, but yes, I mean, you know, yes, she, um, she very much, like, like, personifies that. Um, I certainly like in, in all of her iterations, she personifies the quote unquote good Muslim. What I liked about the TV series though, is that the TV series didn't seem to care about any good Muslim or bad Muslim binary. They were just really interested in speaking, um, to an audience about partition and about, um, (laughs) you know, about like her individual culture. And, you know, if you didn't get it, you didn't get it. Um, the audience definitely, 
I think was, it was intended definitely for a South Asian Muslim audience or an, and a South Asian audience. And as I was on a podcast just recently and um, the hosts were basically saying that's actually what, what they saw, but they liked that because yeah. like they got to be this viewer of, they got to be able to just insert themselves um, into it and look at it from like how they found it relatable, but they, it was, it was refreshing. It was interesting for them not to be the centered audience member. Um, and I think, I think that like the, the TV series, I just adore and I just love so much because (laughs) then, you know, they grounded her so much in South Asian Muslim representation. Um, and so, you know, I think at that point they weren't really interested in binaries at all. Like, that that much was obvious. Yeah, it's, it's 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 so interesting you said that because I have, so I have uh, three daughters. Um, wow. One's eight, and then I have twins who are six. And so they 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 like a lot of um, you know comic book stuff and and Star Wars and all that sort of thing. But they rarely are enwrapped in something, right? They re- rarely will just like kind of sit there mostly still and mostly paying attention for like forty five minutes, right? Um, they loved this series. Wow. They, my, one of my twins was like literally angry at me when I told her there wasn't going to be another one next Wednesday. Um, oh my God. Yeah, she's like, well, there's going to be another one. And, and I was like, I don't know. That is so touching. <laughs> but I, I find it really interesting because I think one of the things that they liked about it was exactly what you're saying, which is that they didn't necessarily see themselves in it or like they looked for places where they did. Yeah. Um, because like they thought, you know, Kamala was really cool. And mm-hmm. you know, my, one of my daughters is really into like drawing and creating worlds and all that sort right. of thing. And so like, there are these things that were relatable, but they were also then like, you know, what's a mosque? Like, why are they there? What are they doing? Like, why do they take their shoes off? Like yeah. all of that sort of stuff Yeah, they were really into. And then, you know, I, like, I just read a book about, um, Gandhi yeah. with my daughter. And, and so like, yeah. she recognized him in the, in the, you know, the, oh, yeah. and then the partition split. scene yeah. and all that sort of thing. And I, and I think that that also, I like, that also really, I don't know exactly what it is, like what is different there. That's so important, but there, there definitely is something about, I guess what you said about like decentralizing the, mm-hmm. the sort of Western perspective and, yeah. and then just like telling a story that is yeah. compelling and interesting and, yeah. and like very, very human. Right. That, yeah. that, um, speaks to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, and I'm really um, very encouraged and heartened to hear your girl's love for this series as well, too, because obviously the younger generation doesn't mind that, um, <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah. but, you know, like they, they don't, you know, it's not like what racists were seeing about the series, which is, oh, this is white replacement theory and all this other <laughs> stuff, yeah. you know, which I didn't think your girls would have ever thought anyways. But, you know, it's <laughs> it's very encouraging to know a younger generation really likes it. I think I think what the TV series did very well is that they tricked everybody into a good history lesson and also to <laughs> into um, into a, a bit of a public education on Islam for real this time, you know, not yeah. like any Orientalist representation of it. So the series was great um, in that aspect, and you know, it's funny because the other podcast I was talking about, like that's really something that comics do. You know, they kind of trick you into learning about things, and so. Right. 
Um, that's exactly what happened. Um, they were tricked. They probably had never heard of partition, or maybe they did if they if you're teaching them about about Gandhi, but um, but they didn't know about it. And so um, now they know about it. They did, probably didn't know very basic things, as you were saying. They didn't know what a mosque is. Now they know about it. Now they know what they do in mosques. Like there was there was even that part where the Department of Damage Control. Um, had actually like the lady um the agent had walked in with her shoes in the mosque which you don't do like i mean i right. can't tell you how <laughs> disgusted i was when i'd seen that and um you you know you you just don't do that but she she and it was really supposed to be symbolic about trampling over muslims um civil liberties as well too but i'm sure you know at the end of the day your girls learned that you don't wear sh shoes in the mosque because the imam actually told her ma'am next time take off your shoes yeah. so um and she didn't she really didn't she wasn't at all a uh, respectful and i think um bisha actually had put her there to be sort of representative of a certain type of person. So, um, you know, but it, like, it, it was just interesting because, you know, in academia, we call this public pedagogy, pedagogy being something educational, essentially. And um, this, it was a lot of public pedagogy on Muslim um, representation and even Islam. I mean, you know, everybody heard Kamala say Bismillah when she caught in the car. So <laughs> now you know what that means, you know, and it, it wasn't, I think normally when you hear like Arabic in, um, in movies and TV, it's usually in a negative connotation, right? So, mm. so there, there were many, there were many good things to say about it. I'm completely sold on this series because of just like how much this South Asian Muslim representation flourished in there. So um, I, I just, I was just rambling on and on about it on Facebook. And, <laughs> you know, and I, again, like, you know, I very much in my, my dissertation, like I know I'm giving this rosy picture of Ms. Marvel right now. And I, I think you want that like nuanced critique as well too. And I do so much of that in my 270 pages in the dissertation. <laughs> like, you know, I talk a lot about how, um, you know, the Muslim superheroine, um, at times when written by um, by white men has has been like a, a colonial or imperialist um, imperial feminist um, representation. You mean like dust? Yeah, like dust. Well, dust is very orientalized, very, very yeah. oriented. She's she's it was insulting to see dust. Um, none of my participants even liked her. But even Kamala, like it when written um, like for some weird reason, white male comic artists are obsessed with Afghanistan and certainly was obsessed with Taliban era Afghanistan. Um, and they'll probably be more and more obsessed with it now because depressingly the Taliban um, controls uh, Afghanistan. But um, I didn't understand that fascination with having to like having, to, having to always have the Taliban be representative um, of Muslim men. So many times they were representative of Muslim men. Um, yeah. And so many times they had to feature into that like Western imagination in comics. And, um, and it like, it, you know, it was really interesting because like y you can't argue with anyone fighting the Taliban because there's, they're reprehensible on so many <laughs> levels. Like they're just so <laughs> reprehensible. Um, but at the same time, they certainly served as a tool to represent 
Afghanistan and therefore the Muslim world as backwards and savage and uncivilized and to also to represent Muslim men as oppressive to women as well too. And then you would have the Muslim superheroine come in and um, basically, um, you know, in the case of the champions, this is Marvel, like, you know, really pound and create a war in, um, um, in Afghanistan to kind of what save Muslim women from them, from, you know, oppressive Muslim men. And that is very, very much like white saviorism. But this time you have a brown female actually um, um, being like the proxy for white male saviorism. And, yeah. and you know, I there's too much literature out there on <laughs> the problems of white saviorism. I don't really need to go into that. <laughs> you know, white male saviorism, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple things. Um, I'm going to ask you a very specific question, actually, related to something you wrote that the show changes. I want to get your thoughts on it. But mm -hmm. I, I, you know, again, a couple of things that you what you just said there um, sort of triggered. I one of the things about the series that really registered with me or just was really sort of eye opening was mm -hmm. the Karachi scenes where right. Karachi is shown as a place where people live and like. Mm -hmm experience life and do normal things and like go right. out to dinner and you know yeah. use trains and that sort of thing and yeah. i'm so not used to in a western context of like no. seeing anywhere yeah. in that region of the world not being like war-torn and impoverished and like exactly. you know and and, and backwards yeah and i found that really really powerful and like yeah. really eye-opening from my own perspective because yeah. I, I just don't that's just not my my media diet and um, yeah yeah you just you just don't know like where you've never been there you don't know what's there i've never right. been there too but but yeah <laughs> like i think like the global south overall um is often just represented as like you know like backwards like you know i remember um seeing uh pictures of afghanistan of kabul and i was i was shocked like in real life and i was actually shocked mm -hmm. because it was like you know so urbanized and um you know i'd even seen like courtyards um in like i guess like close to the government as well too i don't know where it was i have no idea but i've seen pictures from other afghans and i was surprised because certainly that isn't the representation of um afghanistan um, in comics where, which like I told you, white men are obsessed with, like I would prefer <laughs> to actually, I would prefer to actually see some, something like Kabul and, um, actually not going to, um, um, a place like for war, you know, or to save anyone, you know, and, in mm -hmm. in the TV series, we saw a lot of that. We, you know, she, she took like a, a tour, like a historical tour in Karachi where most, um, immigrants from India settled. Um, you know, I mean, I think at the, at the heart of it, um, Kamala, like Kamala's representation and this TV series was very much an immigrant representation or what we would know in Urdu as a Mahajar representation. Um, you know, I, but it was like, it, you know, it was interesting, um, to see this like bustling city and guaranteed they had rickshaws as well too. And the rickshaws were super interesting, um, as well. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think like. And when I was in London, I think it was a rickshaw that we went to where this guy like, uh, well, there are rickshaws everywhere now that I think about it. Like, yeah. you know, I've, yeah. yeah, I've been to like, 
you know, parts in the West where they had something like that. But it was it was fascinating because you saw the train station and, you know, you saw yes. restaurants and you saw yes. like all this like cool street art and, you know, buses and, um, um, you know, the airport, everything. You know, it just it was like a nice modern city that she was a part of. And um, she wasn't going there to um, fight a war. She can't guarantee she had to fight. She had to fight off the gins. But um <laughs> You know, I mean, you could expect that to happen in somewhere like Karachi. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it's just I, I think it's really important to remind people that like most mm-hmm. people in the world are just like trying to live their lives most of exactly. the time. And exactly. and and it's not, you know what I mean? It's it's it, we always see sort of the um, we see news when it's bad news, right? Yeah. Like when it's not from America, especially in this country. Yeah. Um, so I, I found that like a really I just loved that whole um, that whole episode. I thought it was wonderful. But yeah. the other thing that you brought up, and I, this is this has been really interesting to me the last couple of days on Twitter, especially, which is to see. So it reminds me of what happens when Watchmen came out, which is when mm-hmm. um, people were learning about Tulsa for the first time, and I was lucky enough to have had a sociology teacher or professor, I should say in college who, for whatever reason, like told that story. And had I not yeah. known, like I, most people I know don't know that story. Yeah. And I've seen the last few days, people being like, what's this partition thing? And how come me who has an advanced degree in the humanities <laughs> and took AP history, like this is what I'm hearing on Twitter all the time, right? Yeah. Took AP history courses, like never heard about this. Oh, wow. Um, which is it's and it's and it's great in some way because I've always thought that you know comics and 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 the sort of comic book media um, has always been a great way of telling those hidden stories in history or the ones right. that certain audiences don't get to see and sort of crossing those cultural barriers. But yeah, um, yeah it was really fascinating to me to, to know, and it's great that they now know what the partition is. But but to know a they didn't know before, yeah, and b that like a Disney Plus Marvel series can teach them about it, yeah, <laughs> which is. Good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, depending on how you see it. Yeah. No, you're not the first person to mention that with Watchmen and um, Tulsa. And I, I I, confess I have not seen Watchmen. And now I clearly have to because, you know, you're like I said, you're not the first person to mention it. Um, <laughs> you know, so. You're um, going to love it. Oh, I bet. I bet. And like it's I heard it's actually really good. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, like a lot of a lot of people don't know about all of these different histories and um, um, and are now learning about it. And it's funny because there's obviously two Twitters taking place because at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, like, you know, there are a lot of South Asians who are talking also to on on Twitter about the, the partition and um um, their issues with, um, sorry, uh, sorry, their issues that their family faced, mm-hmm. um, as well too during partition. I think it was actually, and I, I really don't think that it's um, coincidental that Bisha Kali had actually um, uh, have uh, this told from a Muslim perspective. I think that this fits right now very much with um, the current political climate of what's happening in India, um, because there's mm-hmm. so much Islamophobia taking place there. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know it's it's quite I, like I'd love to hear and um, see that tweet about that person actually talking about like I've never heard about this. What is this? You know. Because, <laughs> well, there's a few. I've seen a bunch of those. Oh my yeah. god! Please share them with me. I'd love to. I'd love to see it because. 
you know, there's so many people talking about like um, giving family stories and talking about, you know, the intergenerational trauma that was triggered or some of the things that they just know about partition. Um, a lot of South Asians have been weighing in. So, so I, I want to ask you just one more thing about the series and get your thoughts on it. Um, mm -hmm. Because again, like going back and reading your work and then kind of thinking about this, um, one of the things that the series did, because I don't know if everybody knows that like the MCU stuff is not necessarily married to all of the plot points of the origin comics, right? Yeah, I think most no. of people who would listen to this podcast know that, but, uh -huh. but, but just to get that on the table, mm -hmm. one of the things that this series does differently is divorces the origin story mm -hmm. of Kamala Khan's Miss Marvel from Carol Danvers right. uh, and Captain Marvel. And by giving them their own unique origin stories, yeah. um, it seems in some ways to kind of address um, one of the issues that you, you've brought up, um, yeah. that there's this in inevitable sort of way that, Kamala is always kind of yeah. um, uh, contrasted against Carol, right? Right. Um, so what did you think of of that change? And like, is do you think that's a like a, like a meaningful kind of step um, towards sort of making Kamala Khan even even um, more kind of representative and and you mean independent divorce from like colonialism? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that 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 sort of thing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I basically immersed myself in all things Kamala Khan for, um, for five plus years. So it, it, first of all, took a lot for me and certainly after the first episode to, um, to, uh, you know, recognize that this was very much not going to be like the comic on so many levels. And it, it, you know, after all, it took me like a couple of days to recognize that, okay, um, we're not going to see all of these great big guest appearances that I wanted to see from Carol Danvers <laughs> because, yeah. you know, in comics you have an unlimited budget. But um, as, as my, my colleague Aaron Cashton had actually said, but, you know, it, it, there's an unlimited <laughs> budget for um, guest appearances. That's not how it works in the medium of um, TV and film whatsoever at all. Um, it, you know, and it's it's quite interesting to note that after um, we saw like all six episodes, then we saw Carol um, as well too. And I, I feel like we're going to see that kind of independence from Carol in the Marvel's film. Um, yeah. I total first disclaimer, I have not seen um, Doctor Strange yet. I, I just I haven't either. So we're on the same page. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because like I've just heard, I've heard of another Captain Marvel, which is Monica Rambeau being in it. Um, and right. um, she doesn't. You know, there was an indication that she may not have been happy with Carol Danvers. So I, it would be very interesting to see how the Marvels film um, works and what what happens. But um, uh, you know. It's, it sounds to me like it's just really just a business decision as to why they decided to make this, this, um, this, you know, change from her being very independent of Carol Danvers, um, so to speak. It's just like Kamala Khan, obviously the MCU has plans for her. Um, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, she, there will be a season two from Ms. Marvel. If, you know, I'm, I, they, 
I'm sure that they're trying to attract, um, if from what I saw from the TV series, it looks like they're trying to attract a young audience. So um, they're focusing on the younger generation, like her girls. And so, you know, they don't want to have, I think, um, that much probably, they want to make sure that she has this independent representation. I think, yeah. I think that's really just it. Do I think it's positive? Um, yeah, of course I do. I mean, you know, she stands as a character on her own, but she, she stood as a character very much on her own, I think, even in, in the title series and the comics as well, too. Um, it's just that we saw a lot more of Carol. Um, you know, and one, one of the things that was really, really hard to actually let go of as a comic book fan was, um, really when the mantle of Ms. Marvel was passed on to her, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, when, yeah. you know, Carol and Iron Man and Captain America had actually shown up and like, you know, grit, like pretty much told her, okay, you're going to be Ms. Marvel. And she shapeshifts into Carol after for a number of times um, I actually personally like the idea of, um, her not doing that though. I wondered in the ending, if she did shapeshift, shapeshift into, um, Carol, it would be a great way to, um, <laughs> you know, to bring in that power. Um, yeah. but, um, I do, I, I, there was so much to talk about, um, with my participants on that scene of her polymorphing, sorry, her shapeshifting into, um, into Carol so many times. Um, it kind of like one of my participants had said that Carol is like a Eurocentric, has Eurocentric beauty standards, right? You know, she's blonde and blue eyed and tall. Um, and, um, you know, it did feel a bit uneasy to have, have, um, Kamala actually, like shape-shifting um, into into Carol on one level, but you also, too, at the same time, understood it. You understood why she just didn't have any role models to actually, like who weren't who looked like her um, to shape-shift into. Um, and then yeah. she comes into her own with the bikini um, and then starts to shape-shift into, uh, sorry, not shape-shift, um, transform into herself whenever she's Miss Marvel. Um Sorry, that didn't actually make sense. But you know what I mean? Like she, she's <laughs> do, able to yeah. not shapeshift into into Carol after and she kind of it's supposed to be symbolic of her coming into her own and charting out her own path. So I get I get why it why it was done. But um but you know, at the end of the day, I didn't I didn't think we needed to see that in the TV series. I think it worked well in the comics, but um, you know, it'd probably have confused audiences a lot. Um, and not to mention Brie couldn't be like, yeah, you gotta give it Brie Larson money. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not only Brie Larson money. She's she's a star, and she would have eclipsed Iman Vellani as well too. Right. I mean, already one of the things that again, um, South Asian and Muslim fans are a little bit disappointed is that so many people are talking about um, Captain Marvel's like, I don't know, fifteen second appearance at the end after the credits. So many people are talking about that, and. Um, the the guitar strumming of um the x-men theme which was i mean one second (laughs) so awesome it was awesome but it was like two (laughs) seconds and it was like but this this show gave you so much good south asian music and you're talking about that it did it did yeah Yeah. (laughs) so i don't know so there were a couple of fans that were a little disappointed so (laughs) you know i i I think it to answer your question i think it was probably for a good thing to really make Iman Vellani the center 
of this yes. this, uh, this series. Well, she is incredible. I mean, like <laughs> the, she is magnetic from from the get go. Uh, it's it's I can't believe what they found in her. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm very looking forward to seeing um, yeah. her progress through the MCU. But, right. Um, yeah, yeah, she's someone I definitely go pay to see <laughs> in the movie theater. She is. For she's sure. lovable. She's very. I think she did really well because I don't think she acted. And anything else before that. So um, yeah. I think she did She did very well. So I'm proud of her. Well, she was also a massive fan. I, I, I saw the little... On Disney Plus, there's a um, a short, like, five-minute okay. documentary about sort of the history of Miss Marvel. Okay. And it talks about um, mm-hmm. Mavlani and how she has always been a big comic book geek and, like, loved Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, wasn't really like an actress. I don't, I don't really remember what the exact origin story was, but like she mm-hmm. dreamt about being Miss Marvel and like <laughs> her whole life. Oh, so wow. Yeah, she dressed that long. But, dressed, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely um, she's quite young, but um, yeah. <laughs> but um, um, I think um, she had also too dressed up as Miss Marvel um, for yes. Halloween. She, yeah. she told Trevor Noah, she's like, oh, I fully manifested this. Like, like she was yeah. a big um, comic book geek. Um, I'm sure she went to the same comic stores because she's from Toronto, too. She lives in the greater Toronto area as well. So um, I'm sure she she um, probably went to some of the comic book stores that I've been to. Um, she, yes, yeah, she, I, she was on Trevor Noah talking about that. What's really interesting is how they're finding um, uh, actors for their roles, how Marvel is, because apparently um, uh, uh, Tom Holland actually dressed up as um, Spider-Man for for Halloween too, so you know right, you should right. probably tell your girls to dress up as their favorites. <laughs> um, oh, they do it all the time. So <laughs> take pictures, send to Kevin Feige. You know, yeah. Uh, my yeah. oldest is uh, a huge Carol Danvers fan, so um, she oh, wow. she was ca- uh, Captain Marvel for Halloween like two years ago, and oh wow, uh, one of them is obsessed with Spider Man, oh. so. Um, Maybe they'll they'll play Gwen uh, yeah. <laughs> in the MCU yeah. or something. I don't uh, I don't know, but um, also I kind of want them to keep them away from <laughs> <laughs> being child stars or whatever. But oh uh, yeah, no, no, yeah. I totally understand. Yeah, no, that's... I would not put it past them. I'll put it that much. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Yeah, no, I think I I totally understand your your reasoning behind that. Yeah. Yeah. But but they are they are giant hams. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's so Watch sweet. Space. Anyway, um, this has been really great, uh, great great conversation. I really appreciate it, and thank you for taking time. And um, before we go, is there anything that you want? Um, do you want to advertise yourself a little bit before we part ways? Um, follow me um, on Twitter. I'm at Safi Bell with an E at Safi Bell 30 um, on Twitter. So um, that's, that's, that's it. I, you know, read my articles on the conversation, um, you know, drop me a line, let me know what you think. Um, that's, that's really, that's really it. Safi, thank you so much for joining me and we will uh, see you next time.